You're listening to Driven by Insight. Join Willie Walker, Walker and Dunlop's chairman and CEO, as we bring you fresh perspectives about leadership, business, the economy, and commercial real estate. Willie hosts a diverse network of leaders as they share wisdom that cuts across industry lines. His guests are experts in their fields. From leading economists and CEOs to Harvard and Yale professors and everything in between. Our one goal is simple, providing you with unique insights, unparalleled data, and real-time market analyses. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Walker webcast. It is a real pleasure for me to have my friend Stephanie Lenartz join me once again. Almost three years, as Stephanie pointed out to me as we were coming on, almost three years to the day that the two of us um, did a Walker webcast to talk about Marriott and how Marriott International was, um, if you will, faring, working through uh, the pandemic and uh, what was happening in the travel and leisure industry. And obviously, to all of you who have joined us today, you all know that Stephanie now has um, an incredible job. Uh, not that her old job at Marriott wasn't an incredible job, but she has an incredible, incredible job at Under Armour um, leading that great consumer brand. And I'm very excited to dive in to, if you will, life between Marriott and Under Armour, what Stephanie is doing with Under Armour and where she is taking the company going forward. Um, Stephanie, let me do a quick bio on you, which is extensive. I'm going to um, try and move through it here, but you've got such incredible work in your background that I want people to understand that. And then we'll dive into uh, where we are today. So St Stephanie Linartz is President and Chief Executive Officer of Under Armour, one of the world's leading athletic performance brands. Under Armour does business in more than 100 countries and has over 1,800 Under Armour branded stores around the world. The brand has partnerships with over 3,000 schools, universities, and clubs, and with some of the world's most influential athletes, which we will talk about later. Stephanie is leading Under Armour through its next phase of growth centered on driving global brand heat, delivering elevated design and products, and growing sales globally. Prior to joining Under Armour, Stephanie was the president of Marriott International, the world's largest hospitality company, with a portfolio of more than 8,500 properties across 138 countries and territories, 31 brands, including Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis, Marriott Hotels, W Hotels, and Westin. In her role as president of Marriott International, she was responsible for developing and executing all aspects of the company's global consumer strategy, including brand, operations, marketing, sales, revenue management, customer engagement, technology, emerging businesses, and loyalty strategies, uh, including the Bonvoy program, uh, which you were very involved with. She began her career in Marriott in 1997 as a financial analyst. Stephanie has been recognized for her industry leadership. She was named one of the Fortune 100's most powerful women in business in 2023. She was named to the Forbes CEO Next 2021 list of up-and-coming leaders set to revolutionize American business. She was honored by brand innovators as one of 2018's top 100 women in brand marketing. Um, and she has been a speaker at the World Economic Forum and is a sought-after conference panelist at global industry events. She graduated from the College of Holy Cross with a degree in political science, holds an MBA from William & Mary, and has completed additional graduate studies at the Norwegian School of Economics and Business Development. She's on the board of the Home Depot, the world's largest home improvement retailer, sits on the board of trustees of the College of Holy Cross, She's also on the board of the Economic Club of Washington and is an advisory board member of both Fair Chance and Teach the World Foundation. Finally, she is passionate about fitness and wellness and resides in Washington, D.C. area with her husband and two children, all of whom I know. That's quite the bio, Stephanie. Well, thank you for having me, Willie. It's so nice to to see you. And again, again, it's been a little while, but uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And 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 since the last time we spoke, although you and I have texted and emailed a lot, um, uh, happy new role at Under Armour and congratulations for all that you are doing and accomplishing there. Um, I, I guess I'll start with kind of the transition from the past to the present. What was it that attracted you to leave Marriott in such a big role and doing such a great job at such an iconic global brand and move over to Under Armour? Well, first of all, it was, um, you know, I had a, an absolutely spectacular career and time at Marriott International, you know, one of the, this, the best companies in the entire country, entire world, as far as I'm concerned. And I loved every moment of it. Um, 
You know, that being said, when this opportunity presented itself to me to take the CEO role for a company I had um, long admired, also started off in Washington, D.C., similar to Marriott, which started off as a nine-stool root beer stand. Under Armour started out in Kevin Plank's grandma's basement um, in Georgetown, across the street from where I went to high school, Georgetown Visitation. So I have known the company for a long time. And when this opportunity presented itself, I had to go for it. I really wanted to um, to be a CEO. I love the idea of a new challenge. I love the idea of learning a new industry. I've always been passionate about sports. I think sports is something that unifies us and brings us together, just like travel. So something very similar at the core and heart of, of the, the business and the industry. So um, I decided to take my own advice that I've given to myself and many other people over the years, particularly women, to bet on yourself, you know, take a chance. And um, that's what led me to, to take on this new job. And it's been great. It's been about 10 months. And when you think about hospitality and the brand and the multiple brands inside of Marriott, and then you think about Under Armour and its global brand, but then if you will, distinct skews of, of shoes and of apparel and, and all that goes inside of the Under Armour brand. Talk for a moment, Stephanie, about either the similarities or the differences between running a big global hospitality brand and and running a big global consumer products brand? You know, I really think, Willie, that this, there's more similarities than differences. I mean, at the heart of both Marriott International and Under Armour and Home Depot, for that matter, it's all about building consumer love, brand loyalty, stickiness. They're all consumer-facing brands, and it's all about just really putting the consumer at the center and figuring out how you can build that loyalty. Um, in the case of, of Marriott and Under Armour specifically, um, you know, there's many similarities in not only in the regards to kind of that focus on the consumer, but the whole concept of building out a loyalty program. One of the things I'm most proud of in my career at Marriott was we built Marriott Bonvoy after the Starwood Hotel acquisition, where we combined SPG Marriott Rewards and Ritz-Carlton Rewards into what is now the beloved Marriott Bonvoy program. And in, on a similar note, this past summer at Under Armour, my team and I launched UA Rewards, a loyalty program for Under Armour. And it's at the heart of the loyalty program, just like at Marriott at Under Armour, it's about consumer stickiness and it's about experiences and brand love. So it's not just about points for merchandise, just like it wasn't just about points for hotel rooms at Marriott. So when we launched UA Rewards at Under Armour, I took a page out of my Marriott playbook and we did it with a, a big sweepstake for all the people who signed up. They could win a chance to spend the day with Steph Curry at Under Armour's headquarters in Baltimore. And it was a fabulous day. We had a lucky winner, got lots of signups for the loyalty program. But it's, you know, that's the kind of thing we're doing with UA Rewards, access to our athletes, early drop to new products, um, all about like making it very special and unique. And that was very similar to what we were to what we were doing at, at Marriott over the many years I led that program. So just one example, another similar point is you think about a hotel, it's all about service, right? The, that warm smile, that friendly knowledge that you get from an associate at a hotel. Same thing when you walk into an Under Armour store, you want to see a warm smile, you want to see a knowledgeable uh, teammate um, is the word we use at Under Armour. So another similarity. So in the hospitality space, even though Marriott didn't own many of the physical hotels, you had a couple of legacies that you held onto, but most of them were owned by real estate developers and you all were operating it. But when there's a decision to put a hotel in Shanghai or in Cleveland, um, it's a pretty um, long-lasting investment decision. You've done the analysis to say, consumer wants to be in Cleveland. We This is the brand we're going to put there. And then now let's go and try and drive usage of that asset and use the loyalty in the brand to get people to come to it. The, 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 the life cycle of the products you're building at Under Armour is, well, let's just put it this way, significantly shorter than a building that's going to sit in the ground for 50 to 100 years. Um, how has that been as it relates to just the overall decision making as CEO, Stephanie, when you were at Marriott where, yeah, at the margin, you're trying to find that incremental customer, but the product for all practical purposes is pretty static. Whereas in Under Armour, consumer tastes and the products you're building change almost daily. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's that's a, that is a difference between my, my previous role in industry and in Under Armour. Although I will say, what's similar is some of the real estate decisions. The leases aren't as long for an Under Armour store, but um, they're certainly a physical store, and you're doing the same type of you know feasibility analysis to, and catchment analysis to figure out where should I put that Under Armour store, just like where should I put that hotel. But the 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 shoes, the shirts, the apparel, the footwear, the sneakers, the accessories. You know, they there is we have season after season we come out with new items based on what the trends are and what our athletes are really needing to be the best at their particular sports. And so there is um there is a whole new world for me in that regard. And you know, we're actually manufacturing shirts, shoes, you know, uniforms. So that is another thing that's quite different. I just got back from a fabulous trip to Asia where I was meeting with um, dozens of our factory partners, both on the apparel side and the footwear side. And that's a whole new world. Um, and, you know, the lead time for for apparel and footwear is quite long, anywhere from 12 to 18 months, depending on, you know, what you're building. And so there is there is a real difference on that front. But it is, I think, again, I go back to the similarities. It's putting the consumer and in the case of Under Armour, the athlete at the center of the table and figuring out what are their needs? What do they want? How are we best going to serve them? And so that, again, is is quite similar to the previous approach. But there's plenty of differences, as you pointed out. Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate and advisory firms in the country. You start the communities. Our ideas and capital make them possible. And tune in to the Walker webcast hosted by CEO Willie Walker for exclusive insights on commercial real estate. Your own personal taste. So, for instance, when you were at Marriott, you traveled a lot and you got to experience the product. In consumer products, there are plenty of things that Under Armour makes that you may sit there and say, wow, that's I'd buy that in a heartbeat. There are plenty of other things I'm assuming they make that they don't fit your own personal likes or tastes. How do you, how do you, if you will, dispel your own personal taste as a team comes to you with a product saying, we know exactly what target demographic we're going after here and we think this thing's gonna sell. How do, I mean, I, I would find that to be quite challenging. Well, I think it's, you know, I, 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 again, I think it's about putting the consumer first, the athlete first, and listening to what they want. Our target consumer at Under Armour is that 16 to 24-year-old team sport athlete. Well, I'm not 16 to 24 anymore. I happen to live with two people in that demographic, my children. But but I have to, you know, it is similar. I didn't love all Marriott's brands equally in terms of my own personal taste and aesthetic. And so it's, you know, it's similar, I, I, I suppose, in many ways to Under Armour. But it really is about figuring out what the, the consumer needs, the athlete needs. I mean, we are a performance-based brand. We are designing solutions to meet athletes' needs. You know, we are we outfit 26 sports at, you know, thousands of high schools and colleges. And so we really need to listen to our athletes. Um, and we spend a lot of time with our athletes. I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Um, you know, at the highest level, we'll spend a lot of time with the likes of Steph Curry and figuring out what does he need to excel? He's our, you know, at the top of the, the list in terms of our, our partners and athletes. What does he need to be better at his sport? So we just launched the Curry 11 with a new technology that our innovation team designed that has taken seconds off Steph Curry's game and actually doesn't need to ice his knees nearly as much anymore at all because of these new Curry 11 shoes. So we spend time with him and his team and his trainers. And now, of course, I'm not a basketball player, so I'm not going to have a lot of um, input on that personally. But by listening to Steph, we're able to design something that's... Um, you know, really making him better at his game. I'll give you another example that's fun. We have a lot of designers who are former athletes. And as a matter of fact, we have a young woman who designs a lot of our uniforms, including for football teams. And one of the things our football players were saying at the big universities and high schools is they didn't like love hang handles hanging over their football pants. So she also designs yoga pants. So she does female and apparel and men's. So she took the technology from the yoga pants and put it on the football players uniform pants and got rid of the um, the problem that our athletes were having with love handles. And they didn't want to admit it, but they loved it. So, you know, from anything that's quite technical, um, like the flow technology and the Curry 11 basketball shoes to what we're doing with football uniforms. I mean, there's many examples where we're listening to an athlete's problem or challenge and then we're reacting. 
And, you know, the team of innovators we have at Under Armour is remarkable. We have hundreds of patents um, for all sorts of different technologies. We're doing a ton in sustainability. We should talk a little bit about that. But it's about listening to athletes. I'll share one more story because I love it and it relates to female athletes. Our female athletes were telling us, particularly basketball players, there's this, you know, mesh material in the shirts and the and the shorts. But, it, you know, some of the women were saying it made them uncomfortable because it's quite see-through. So we came up with a new fabric called Airven, and it's got micro mesh holes, same breathability and, you know, same capabilities as the old material, but made the female athletes feel more comfortable. And so we listened to them and we reacted and we delivered a solution to them that met their performance needs, you know, absorbed sweat, you know, wicking capabilities, but it also you know, solved a problem for them. So there's big examples and small examples, but what I'm just absolutely loving is spending time with athletes and hearing what their challenges are and with the team coming up with creative solutions to solve them. You talked about football into yoga, which I find to be fantastic. And that designer who was looking at an issue in football and taking it down to, to, to yoga. Um, somebody sent me a list, Stephanie, of the top 200 broadcasts in America last year. And it was pretty much all football. I think the final round of the Masters was at like 132nd position or something. And your athlete, Jordan Spieth, was in there and that's that that's great. Um, but as you think about everything from R&D on products to sponsorship of athletes, what's that, how, how do you think about it in the sense of all eyeballs are on football. We really need to just kind of focus on the major market and then add a little bit below it. Or, you know, I the, the U.S. Olympic, well, the World Olympic Committee has just allowed for lacrosse and skateboarding and a couple other emerging sports to come to the next uh, Olympics. How how do you and the Under Armour team differentiate, if you will, between those big, what I would call bulge bracket sports, and then the more emerging ones where you might find either a product or a sponsor uh, agreement that really gives Under Armour unique positioning in the market? So great, great question and something we talk a lot about. Well, first of all, we do business in many different countries. So the sports differ by country. So um, American football is big here, but of course, global football um, is big in our business in Latin America and Europe. So we do a lot with, um, you know, Global football, a.k.a. soccer teams in different parts of the world. And in many cases, obviously, that blows American football out of the water in terms of viewership and passion for the sport. But it's interesting you should bring up the point about emerging sports because one of the biggest emerging sports is flag football. And it's actually going to be in the Olympics this year. About six million kids in this country play flag football and soon to have more women playing flag football than men. So we just signed a new athlete, an amazing young woman named Diana Flores. She is a world famous flag footballer. She plays for the Mexican national team and she is on, um, you know, on fire. And the the viewership of flag football, I was just at an event a couple months ago with Roger Goodell and we were talking about this and the owner of the Ravens and and his team. And he is, Roger is very focused on flag football because increasing eyeballs for NFL football and actually increasing viewership with women. So he is a big supporter of flag football. And he knows he was really excited when I told him that we had signed Diane, uh, Diana Flores as one of our Under Armour athletes. So you're right. It's always thinking about there's so many sports, right? You know, you think about emerging sports like flag football and pickleballs on fire. And then you think about the sports that basketball, I mean, basketball is absolutely critical because basketball is also you know, tied to the zeitgeist and culture. And we're really leaning into designing out not only performance apparel, but it will always be performance space, but really leaning into sports style. So we don't want to be the choice for athletes only when they're on the court, the pitch, the field. We want them to choose Under Armour when they are going out to, you know, a Starbucks to have a coffee or to live their life outside of sports. I just hired a new chief product officer, a gentleman named Yassin Sidi. He was with Puma and Adidas, and then he had his own company. But when he was with Puma, he really built out their lifestyle um, capabilities and a lot of cool co collaborations he did when he was there. Just hired um, John Varvatos to be our head of design. 
John Barbados is a very well-known designer who worked with Ralph Lauren. Calvin Klein had his own men's brand. So we have tons of amazing talent at Under Armour that really knows performance and sports. And But we're bringing in um, some experts that really know design as we lean more into appealing to women and also building out our footwear and sneaker business. Both women and sneakers and footwear, they're both less than 25% of our sales. So we know that that's an area where we need to grow. And we know really leaning into style is important. Um, you know, I, I like the saying that without beauty, there is no performance. So, and it's really important for young people that we're not only meeting their needs, but that from an athletic and performance standpoint, but that we're stylish and cool too. So we've got a lot of cool things in the works on that front and a lot of new talent we're bringing in to work side by side with the great talent we already have within the company. I've heard you talk about the Taylor Swift effect on sports apparel brands. What's what's the Taylor Swift effect other than showing up the Kansas City Chiefs games and watching her boyfriend play? She's done a lot for the NFL viewership. I'm that's for Boy, uh, your friend Roger, your friend Roger's got to be thrilled. He, that, that that was an added shot in the arm to the NFL that quite honestly the NFL didn't really need, but they've certainly gotten it. Yeah, that's certainly I'm sure it's helping. You know, interesting uh stat on Taylor Swift. You know, she walks over 10 miles every single concert that she does. So she's an athlete. I don't know if you've been to a Taylor Swift uh, concert, but she's quite the athlete. But, you know, you know, she is a real role model for young women. And I think that there's an inflection point in women's sports that is really important. And, you know, last year you saw some of the highest viewership of women's sports ever. Um, record attendance, live attendance at a female sporting event was last year in Nebraska, 92,000 people at the women's volleyball tournament in Nebraska. The NCAA women's final had record viewership. Um, you're seeing a lot with women's soccer and mentioned flag football. And this is, I am passionate about supporting female athletes in particular because sports is so important to change people's lives. And this is another interesting statistic, one that's a little bit, I think, frightening. You know, one in three girls drops out of sports when they in their teenage years. Only one in 10 boys drops out. So young boys have millions of more opportunities every year to play sport. And it's not whether or not you, you know, become a professional athlete, but sports teaches you leadership, discipline, community. Kids are so isolated these days because of social media and all this technology. And sports brings people together in community and girls drop out at a much faster rate. You know, they, they may play little league or peewee soccer, but then, you know, a lot drop out in middle school and then even more drop out before college. And so one of the things I'm passionate about and I'm working with our female athletes on is encouraging more young girls to play and to play sports. You don't even need to, you don't need to be a superstar. You don't need to be, you don't need to be that that great and you're going to go on and get a scholarship. Maybe you will. But um, it's more about the life lessons it teaches you when you play sports. And I'm passionate about supporting female athletes. And um, yeah, I mean, Taylor Swift is, I think, the ultimate modern feminist and then all that she's teaching young young women. Talk for a moment, Seth, if you would, about that as it relates to just the underlying culture at Under Armour. Um, I know Kevin. I've spent time with Kevin. Kevin's a Kevin's a guy's guy. Um, he is one of the most hard-charging people I know, um, and and I think really set a culture at Under Armour, which was it, it emanated from football as its sort of cornerstone and in, in making the original Under Armour T-shirts that went underneath shoulder pads at the University of Maryland, uh, and has grown and expanded the brand globally into all sorts of other verticals. And oh, by the way, also um, sponsoring female athletes and building lots and lots of shoes and and equipment for 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 women, but. Now that you've stepped in over the last eight months, what have you done beyond sponsoring lots of female athletes and that view on the female? What else have you done as it relates to the underlying culture at Under Armour to keep that, if you will, broadening, I think, of the company that I'm seeing happen under your leadership? Well, you know, the the culture at Under Armour is great. It really is. It's a culture that is about um, winning and being scrappy and having grit. And it does have that athlete's edge to it. There's a lot of former athletes that work in Under Armour, but it's a wonderful culture. Also, the values of the company are are really deeply 
um, ingrained. Um, you know, we have love athletes, as you can imagine, is one of our core values because that's our core consumer. Celebrate the wins. I love that. That's a very sports culture kind of um, value to have. But it's it's focus on the positive and celebrate the wins. You know, stand for quality, act sustainably. These are values that you know, are deep in the company and the Kevin embodies. And, you know, Kevin is an entrepreneur and a founder and no one loves a company like the founder. I know that from my days at Marriott, no one has the passion, the the just the deep love like Kevin does for Under Armour. And I think Kevin and I make a good team because I'm bringing a different set of skills and experiences to the company. And that's, you know, a, and on top of that, I'm bringing in new leadership. I mentioned a couple of new hires I've made on the product and design side, but I also brought over an executive who was a, 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 one of my closest partners at Marriott, a, a gentleman named Jim Dowsch to be our chief consumer officer. Um, I hired a new woman to run communications, hired a fabulous gentleman to run supply chain uh, who came over from the Gap. So I'm also bringing in new talent from the outside to bring in a new perspective, a fresh perspective, that also honors what makes Under Armour so great and all the internal talent that we have. So I think any company needs to grow and evolve. I think about Under Armour, you know the company well in three chapters. Kind of chapter one was get big fast, the days you're talking about when Kevin started, you know, Under Armour in his grandma's basement in Georgetown and it grew like crazy. And then chapter two, you know, the the, the company hit some harder times. I think there was a time to reset to get some good operational practices in place, you know, things around supply chain, et cetera. Some good work was done in that chapter two, which was about kind of stabilizing. And then I'm leading chapter three, which is the pivot back to growth and to um, expand the business. And that's going to be done through, you know, building brand heat, getting the brand really, you know, even hotter here in the U.S., going to be a lot around building out our product. I mentioned women's sports style and sneakers being a big part of it. So expanding our product pyramid, getting more in that better and best part of the product pyramid. And then while we continue to grow internationally, I mean, again, we're in 100 countries around the world, we really need to supercharge growth here in the United States. So I'm very focused on that. So I'm lucky to lead chapter chapter three for, for Under Armour. And I couldn't be I couldn't be more lucky or proud. So something tells me chapter three is going to be long and it's going to be really good. Um, you've mentioned supply chains a couple of times, Stephanie, just given all the supply chain challenges that our country and many, many companies such as Under Armour faced when the pandemic hit and then when the economy started to kick back. Um, this may be a little bit too wonky a question, but how are you all as it relates to those supply chains freeing up? Are we still waiting for ships to arrive at the Baltimore port and unload and they're behind schedule? Or have, have you all gotten back online as it relates to supply chain? And as you're answering that, if you would, just for a moment, um, you would said you were just over in Asia meeting at a, lot, at a lot of your manufacturing facilities. Is the is the lion's share of your manufacturing all still done in Asia? Or have you brought any of that back to the United States, given what happened with supply chains during the pandemic? Yeah, no, actually, from a supply chain perspective, um, we do a very small percentage of our um, our supply chain of our manufacturing is in Asia, is in China. Um, and we do do a lot of our um, apparel manufacturing in um, in the Middle East, actually. It's interesting because now it, we are more apparel heavy than footwear heavy. So as we pivot to do more footwear, I'm sure that mix of where we manufacture things will change. But I mean, we do manufacture throughout Southeast Asia and China, but we have um, a relatively small percentage of our supply chain coming from Asia. But I mentioned the gentleman I just hired from Gap. This is a new world to me, manufacturing apparel and footwear and sneakers. So just like I did at Marriott, I need to su surround myself with people that know more than me and are experts in areas where I'm not. So the gentleman that I hired to run supply chain, uh, Sean Curran is his name. He's a fantastic supply chain. He's a great executive. He used to be the COO of Gap, actually, for all seven of their brands. But now he's um, heading supply chain management for us. So in, to the first part of your question, the supply chain, things have normalized um, a bit back to normal. Um, I think there was all sorts of challenges during COVID and 
Um, I'd say we're having, you know, some slight challenges, nothing that we can't manage through. You, you see it in the news with what's happening in the Red Sea, you know, some of the, the shipping um, challenges there. But for the most part, I'd say our supply chain, our inventory, things are starting to normalize back to a level that's um, manageable. I mean, during COVID, no one could get inventory. Then after COVID, everyone was flush with way too much inventory. And you saw everybody discounting extensively, which has its own set of um, problems. So I'm gaining an appreciation for the criticality of inventory management in this job too. And of course, that's all inextricably linked to supply chain. We we talked at the top a little bit about your role in launching Bonvoy at Marriott and how important the Marriott loyalty program was to the not only the growth of the brand, but if you will, repeat customers, which is key to any successful business. Um, you mentioned that you just launched Under Armour's loyalty program. What are sort of, if you will, early returns? What's How different is it? I mean, clearly all of us know I fly an airliner, I go to a hotel room, I get my points and I kind of go back because I'm going to get some free stuff there. Talk for a moment about the Under Armour loyalty program and 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 what one would get if they become a member of it. Well, we're just getting started, um, but similar to what you experience with hotels and airlines, it's a points for merchandise program. So you spend money with us and you get UA rewards points that you can use to either redeem to get money off a future purchase or for depending on how many points you have free stuff. Um, but I again, back to my earlier point, I think it's about and that's part of it. It's the points for merchandise. Just like you see with other retailers, Sephora, Home Depot has a loyalty program for pro customers. This is not um, unheard of in in retail either. But I think what's going to be the magic sauce for us is how we link in community and experiences with it. So it's about access to special product. It's access to you know games and and you know come to a Notre Dame football game, meet Steph Curry, spend time with Kelsey Plummer. Our, our fabulous WNBA superstar, but um, it's it's about experiences. So and we're all, we're at a couple million members and growing, but the the early metrics on the financial side are very encouraging. Just like we saw, the whole point is to stay more, pay more. You know, we're seeing more repeat customers that people are coming back at a much higher rate within ninety days if they sign up for our loyalty program. It also allows us to have data and information on our consumers that with their permission, we use for marketing purposes. So part of, you know, data is oil in today's day and age. And so part of what's very important about a loyalty program, and this was true at Marriott as well, it's about data and information on your consumers that, again, with their permission, you use to meet their needs and to make sure that you're sending them offers for things that are meaningful to them. So we're actually doing a lot with our, our college athletes to get them involved in the loyalty program. So we've re-signed re with Notre Dame last year, one of our top schools. And part of the deal with Notre Dame, besides outfitting their, you know, their all their teams and selling stuff in their bookstore, is access to their athletes so that we can they can help us um, with thoughts on style trends and what they want to buy, but also help us with ideas on how we can make the loyalty program super cool and interesting and sticky for young people. You talking about Notre Dame just makes me think for a moment about name, image, and likeness and how much that's changed. Well, the portal and then Nils. Um, how, I mean, that has to have been a major, I mean, you used to have to go and if you will, just negotiate with the athletic director at Notre Dame on a big contract that went over either all their teams or the football team. Now you have individual athletes who can do their name, image, and likeness contracts directly um has that from a just a from a people staffing standpoint is there like a whole new group at under armor that's focused just on nils there's not a whole new group but it's um um a function or responsibility of our broader sports marketing group that does the team deal with i mentioned notre dame but other great schools yale south carolina you know like i i won't name all our schools but yeah. Um, but so it is it has added a whole level of complexity to the world of sports marketing and, you know, how I mean, at the end of the day, and it, it's I, I think I'm lucky that I'm coming with fresh eyes at the end of the day, I look at it, whether it's a school or an athlete, a professional athlete or a college athlete. It's about how do you engage with an athlete that has is tied to your brand, shares the same core values of your brand, represents your brand well 
and of course helps you appeal to more consumers so that you can be financially more successful. And so I think when we're when we're thinking about any of this stuff, whether it's an you know an NIL deal with a college athlete or signing up a big university or a famous you know global football player in Germany, it's always kind of figuring out you know what makes the most sense for the time, people, and money that we have to drive our business. And so it's quite interesting and it's quite complex. But you know what's interesting when I was at Marriott, we were the official hotel sponsor for the NFL. And we had a big F1 partnership and we did a lot depending on the year, you know, with other sports leagues. And it's 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 somewhat similar in a way because it's how your brand and a league's brand or a sports team's brand come together. So it's one plus one equals three. You mentioned a moment ago, Stephanie, community and that sense of community by either being part of the Under Armour loyalty program or having an experience with one of uh, the Under Armour athletes. Um, you're very involved with both Project Rampart as well as Eat, Learn, and Play, which is Steph Curry's foundation. Talk for a moment about how Under Armour is having those two partnerships really work into the client experience and the sense of community. Well, you know, at the core of it is the concept that sports um, change, change can change people's lives. And um, that is a foundational point that's part of the Under Armour culture and that our athletes believe in. You know, you mentioned two fabulous examples, and, and there's a number of them, but Project Rampart, and I give Kevin Plank so much credit for this. He's given so much back to the city of Baltimore over many, many years. He is deeply invested in the community. And Under Armour and Kevin, you know, they, this was long before my time, started renovating every single public high school in Baltimore, in the city of Baltimore, and outfitting every single team and creating training for the coaches. And it's been a multi-year um, program to support the schools and athletes in Baltimore. And we just finished last year, an independent study was completed. The high school graduation rate in Baltimore is in the low 60s. So one in three kids don't graduate. When kids play four years of sports, doesn't matter if it's football, badminton, girls, boys, the graduation rate goes up to 98% when you play four years of sports. That's impact. And um, Under Armour, I'm proud to say, was a big part of that. And, and Kevin Plank was an enormous part of that. So that's that's just one example. We are um, planning and hoping to expand Project Rampart to middle schools and, and to other, you know, other cities if we can find partners to work with us, which we're on the lookout for. But I just got back right before Christmas. I was out in Oakland, California with Steph and Aisha Curry, spent the whole day with them at um in in Oakland at a um grade school and their Eat Learn Play Foundation. Um we gave out Under Armour, we gave out backpacks, lunch boxes, and water bottles. And Steph and Aisha's foundation gave out all these books. And of course we put it all together with the kids. And we spent the whole day out there with them. And you know, Steph Curry's commitment to the kids in Oakland and Aisha's commitment is pretty amazing. But it's just made me feel really proud of my company and that it made me, it's an honor to work with someone like Steph Curry. He's not only, you know, the greatest shooter of all time and one of the great, like, top of the list in, in terms of great basketball players. He's such an amazing human being and such an amazing entrepreneur. I mean, he's an incredible businessman too. So it, those are just two great examples where the brand values are lining up and the, the values with our at, athletes are lining up. Talk for a moment, Stephanie, about that. Spending a whole day with Steph and his wife out west. I mean, you've met plenty, plenty, plenty of influential people. You've met plenty of stars um, in your lifetime. Uh, and at the same time, at least in the United States, there's something a little bit distinct about these top public athletes. I mean, the professional athletes like a Steph Curry, like a Jordan Spieth, and many of the other people we've talked about, the, I mean, they kind of live in rarefied air, if you will. And uh, again, you and I can hang out with some billionaire who's a perfectly nice billionaire that you and I know very, very well. And they're kind of, you know, go to dinner with them and one or two people might recognize them. You go anywhere with a Steph Curry and there's just the immediate sort of attraction and, 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 and public element to it. What's it like being in your role as the CEO of their largest sponsor to both engage with them on a personal level and at the same time you also are there because you got a job to do. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned two of our, our top athletes, and Jordan Spieth, by the way, is a, a an amazing um, uh, young man. We just gave him his 10-year Under Armour jersey, by the way. He's been with the brand for 10 years, and he's only 30 years old. That means we signed it when he was 20, which is crazy. But he's another one who has a, has a um, very meaningful foundation. But Steph Curry is, he's special. I'll tell you why. We re-signed our deal with Steph Curry last year. We have a, we had a long-term, we had a deal with him before, but we re-engaged with him in March of last year, right as I was starting on a new deal. And he's actually the president of the Curry brand. So he is, Curry is a separate brand under the Under Armour umbrella. And so he is the president of the Curry brand. We have quarterly business review reviews with him. He is deep into the the facts, the figures. He's also the leader of our Athlete Advisory Council, where athletes across all sports globally get together to give us insights. And I'll tell you, he is such a mentor to other athletes. He so we have the Curry brand, which is you know similar to another brand you might know. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it big like that. But he, um, we just signed De'Aaron Fox. Um, De'Aaron Fox is the first active NBA player to sign with another active NBA player's brands. Think about that. We were the first ones to do it. And because De'Aaron Fox, who's quite a young player, looks up to Steph, and I know thinks of him as a mentor. So Steph helps us not only um, with, you know, everything he brings, but he helps us attract new athletes. And so it was super cool to have De'Aaron Fox join the Under Armour family, and specifically the Curry brand, because of because of staff. But he's just such a, he's a really, he's an entrepreneur. He has many other businesses on his own. And he's, he's a, just a, he's just a remarkable human being in terms of giving back, but he's also a, a great businessman. And so when I talk to staff, again, we, we have quarterly business reviews. I talk to him quite frequently, you know, um, I'm always up on his basketball stats, of course, but we really talk about, um, you know, besides the important work, that, that I mentioned, things like eat, learn, play, we talk about the business and how can we grow the business. So Curry basketball is obviously a big part, but you're going to see a lot more from us in terms of Curry golf. He is a phenomenal golfer. I don't know if you saw his hole-in-one last year. And so we have a whole new super cool Curry golf line that we're working on, Curry women. Um, we're leaning more into sports style, as I mentioned, like this, that not only stuff that's performance will always be performance-based, but that's cool and hip. And we're working, we work, for example, with Steph's design, um, personal stylist um, to outfit Steph, but then we gain insights from his stylist about, you know, trends and the like. So he's just, a, um, it's, it's, he's one example, but, um, it, you know, he's, he's, I think, a really special one and very important to our company. When I think, Stephanie, about identifying athletes early, and um, that's sort of, I guess, I mean, when you talked about Jordan Spieth yep. celebrating his 10th anniversary at Under Armour and he's 30 years old, that's, you know, you got there, you got there early and you got there exclusively and what an incredible play for Under Armour that has been and what a, what, what a great partnership you've had. Um, I sort of think about identifying young talent as sort of venture capital because yeah. you and I both know venture capitalists and they got to place a lot of bets and some hit and some don't get. How's that? How's that? venture capital of talent identification work in the sense I'm assuming there's a group of people sport by sport and they sit there and agents come to them and say, you really need to get in early with this uh, young, you know, boy, young, young girl. And and then they're the next wave of, you know, the best female basketball player in the world. How, how does that sort of venture capital process work? Because it's got to be fascinating. Yeah, it is. We do have a team that works on that and we have a whole um, division um, and called UA Next, which is focused on camps and on um, activities for high school and college athletes. So we have a bunch of events around the country every year, um, a big football event, a big volleyball event, et cetera, basketball event. We have a Curry camp, which is for, you know, the top basketball players in the country. But we have these this focus on youth sports and, and particularly high school. Um, and really, um, you know, spending time with those ath athletes early on. So we just had our UA Next event in Florida in January, where um, we had the top um, high school football players from around the country come together. And we sponsor the event and we, we give them all sorts of training, both on the field and life training. And of course, Under Armour gear and 
we have all sorts of um, things for them. And, and the football is just one example, but it gives us, it lets us have an inside look at um, the talent and get to know their families and their agents and that whole world. You know, it is a new world to me, uh, Willie. I'm not, you know, all of this is, I'm 10 months into it, but I think our UA next, and we have it in other countries too. I'm, I'm happy to be mentioning the United States, but we have UA next events and camps and training for young athletes um, in Europe as well. So I think that's a whole network of activities and access to young athletes. Um, and it's not just about, I mean, signing them up someday to be an Under Armour athlete. It's also learning from them, supporting them. You know, we talk to them. What do you need? What do you want? What's cool? What problems and challenges are you having? So it's the ultimate focus group. There's these multi-day UA Next camps are the ultimate focus group for getting insight from our core target consumer. So it's very, it's very cool. But you're right. Some you, we we got we were we've been very lucky with some fabulous, um, you know, Steph Curry too. We signed Steph Curry way before he was the amazing person that he is today. So similar, similar story. And female athletes too, you know, Kelsey Plum, she was our athlete before she was a two-time back-to-back WNBA uh, MVP and winner. So when I hear you talk about the camps and identifying that next, um, you know, that next breakout athlete, if you will, um, and the camps that Under Armour sponsors, it makes me think about your career and, um, how you moved through your career as a as a woman um, in corporate America, been as successful as you have been. Um, for a moment, if there are women professionals on this who sit there and say, "Man, one day I would love to get to the perch that Stephanie sits at today," what would you look back on as it relates to your career um, as a woman? Because I think this this question is specific to it, given um, that you are one of the very few female CEOs of, of a very large scale company. What is it in your career that you would give as some advice as it relates to some either do's or don'ts from a career standpoint for women listening? Well, I think the the biggest um, thing that I focused on throughout my career and I'd share with um, other people and particularly women is take risk um, and don't be afraid to bet on yourself. I mean, and this is said at many conferences and webcasts that you know, a woman will have 50 or 60% of what it takes to for a job. And they're like, oh, I'm not 100%. And a man will have 50 or 60. And they'll be like, oh, I'll figure the rest out. You know, and it's kind of funny, um, but it's actually kind of true. And so I just say, um, you know, bet on yourself, you know. And I did that throughout my career at Marriott. I always took on the project that nobody else wanted to take on or the job nobody else wanted because I figured, first of all, if I am successful and I crush it, that's going to be great. Um, and often I did, but even when I didn't, at least I was recognized for trying, you know, you get, you do get noticed for taking on the thorny, hard, um, difficult projects or jobs. And then I, I did take that ultimate piece of advice myself when this job at Under Armour came, um, about, it is an amazing company I'm blessed to, to lead, but we have a lot of challenges and things to figure out and a lot of work to do. And so, I said, you know what? I may have never worked in this industry before, and I may be leaving an industry where I'm very comfortable and it's my home, but I'll figure it out. And I'll figure it out because I'm going to bring skills that are transferable from my previous role. And most importantly, I'll figure it out because I'll build a team around me that complements where I'm not as strong and where I need to have people do things that I can't do because that's not my background. And so I was very confident that I'd be able to do that at Under Armour, and we're off to a great start. So, um, unfortunately, we just lost your mom, um, and my condolences to you and the rest of your family for that loss. Um, you have a lot of brothers, and you have a father with uh, an incredible spirit, an entrepreneurial spirit, and one of the most amazing personalities that I know. Stephanie, what'd you learn from your mom that's helped guide you as a, not so much of a, of the great mother that you are, but the leader that you are at Under Armour? Well, and I have a sister too. Don't forget my sister. I know, I know you know, I know all my brothers well. I know, well. I know um, but I, I've interacted with your four brothers. Uh, I know. More well, frequently, so. They, you know, they've, they've, they've worked for you or have worked for you. Um, so I'd say what I learned from my mom is um, tough times don't last, but tough people do. 
And she was a wonderful woman. And thank you for recognizing um, her passing. She was a wonderful woman and, you know, had six children and raised a family and, you know, uh, you know, did a lot in my family's business. So she, she was a stay at home mom who also did a lot to support my dad and, and, and their, you know, small business on Capitol Hill and hotel and restaurant business. But the, the most important lesson she she taught me was tough times don't last, but tough people do and um, stay positive and optimistic about the future. And she was one of the most positive and optimistic people um, I have ever met. And I, I carry um, that that lesson with me, um, and I always will. And as you look out for Under Armour's future, what's something that is we're going to see emerge over the Stephanie Leonard's leadership at Under Armour that says that's going to be somewhat different? There are certain markets, is there certain products? Is there something today that you'd show us as a little bit of tipping your cards as it relates to after eight months in the in the seat where you want to take the firm? I think um, you're going to see a lot more um, cool product coming out in that better and best part of the product pyramid, and particularly sports style footwear, sneakers, and for women. So I'm bringing in a lot of talent that's focused on, um, we have amazing product at, at, at Under Armour, but you're going to see some really cool stuff in footwear and sneakers in, in the years ahead. Um, that's a critical growth area for us. It's probably the most critical growth area for us is um, getting into sports style footwear, sneaker culture, um, which is only going to help our apparel business and um, see more sports style stuff that our athletes wear, not only when they're on the playing field. And then you'll see us focus more on women. Women, again, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, is only less than 25% of our business. So we're 50% of the population, so we can certainly do better than that at Under Armour. So I think you'll see a lot more on the product front. And I think you'll also, Willie, see a change in our marketing. I mean, we'll we'll always be an athletic brand, but we know as we appeal to more women, as an example, we need to um, also change our marketing approach, you know, to appeal to different consumers. And then lastly, I think you'll see Under Armour sold in new and different places. We have our own stores. We have amazing relationships with the likes of Dick Sporting Good. But as we lean more into sneakers and um, that better and best part of the product pyramid, you'll see us in more sneaker boutiques or department stores and other types of distribution outlets for Under Armour. So more product, great product. You'll see us sold in more places and you'll see a lot more a lot more sneakers, women, and sports style. Stephanie, it's always a pleasure. I'm deeply, deeply thankful for our friendship and for you taking the time to uh, talk to me about where you're taking Under Armour and all that you do every day. Um, thank you. Uh, you don't really need it, but great luck with everything that you're doing at Under Armour. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time I'm back in the D.C. area. Thank you, Willie. Great to be with you as always. Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year to you. Bye.